morning, retrograders. Your consciousness creates reality, and the reality is you're joining us. That's so retrograde. Isn't that the truth? I'm Elizabeth Kahn. And I'm Stephanie Simbari. And my, oh my, what a cosmic forecast we have going on. We are excited for today's episode. You guys, we have Ambie Sitham on in a little while, and she's going to give us the download on what's been going on up there. Five retrogrades. Five different retrogrades. Five different qualities, five different guidelines for what we should be looking out for and potentially working on within ourselves. Right. Speaking of working on within ourselves, I'm still processing the information from last week's Earth Day episode. Same. Holy shit. Dude, I feel like I can't look at my life the same way anymore. Like, I immediately went home and was like, we got to start composting. Totally. And then proceeded to throw cherry, cherry pits and orange peels and things into my garbage. And then I was just like... Okay, I need to reassemble my relationship to what is quote unquote waste. Right. And it's totally such a big adjustment. I started a compost bowl in my freezer. Good. It doesn't look very cute, but I in my heart I'm believing I am shifting for the better. Well, what I like about the freezer is that you're not getting that smell. And you don't have to look at it. Right. Do you have a green bin outside your apartment? I don't, but Ooh. there is in like the neighboring vicinity. So I'm just going to like take a look. And much like how everybody and their mother, it seems, is throwing out their dog shit in the trash bin that I have in my space, that like I think I can go find someone else's com- compost thing. Definitely. <laughs> because you're doing a nice thing. But did we ask her about where to po- put dog poop? You know, what's something that always really bothers me is the plastic bag thing where you're like taking something that's a natural material, putting it in a plastic bag. You're like doing yeah. all this work. Can't to me, be good. carry a shovel and bury it. That's Are my official recommendation. around Carlos, your dog, with a little mini shovel and burying it in the hills of Hollywood. You know it. There's a lot of cement there. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to bury Carlos's poop and accidentally dig up some gold from some old Hollywood woman who, like, <laughs> buried it there after a heartbreak. You just wait, you guys. Yeah. So my my whole <laughs> mind and life has been flipped upside down. Same. Last week's episode. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, Earth Day can be every day. So it should get after be every it. day. Um, I turned 31. Happy birthday. Speaking of Earth Day, had a big rager. Earth Day, it's your birthday. And I've never seen more beer bottles in my life. And then you were stressed that you and made I was a huge like, life mistake. Yeah, exactly. It was like a <laughs> downward mental spiral. But um, I, I turned 31, and I will say the sign of being 31 is there were equal amount beer bottles as there were kombucha bottles. So thank you to Health Aid and the people at Co-op Agency for sponsoring Elizabeth's birthday party. But I will say, well, we'll get to this. Should I do my preemptive thorn right now? Sure. Kombucha as a mixer is a bad breath creator. And like my brother and a few other people were like, your breath really smells. And I was just like, first of all, that's the worst thing that I feel like I could ever possibly hear. And it's because fermented tea does not a fun mouth party make. No, but it's (laughs) delicious and it's good for your inner gut health. So that's all that matters. And it made me drink less alcohol. Right. Because I just kept refilling with kombucha and not putting booze in because I so couldn't find the health booze. health aid, we love you. My yeah. favorite is beet and the carrot. Just, you know. I'm a cayenne. My personal favorite. I'm a cayenne cleanse lover and a lemon ginger. Oh, love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Ambie Sitham, she's here. She's our astro goddess. She's a healer, Reiki healer, sound bath extraordinaire, but her area of expertise, she knows loads and loads when it comes to astrology, and uh, she's here today to break down what the hell is going on with these five retrogrades. To help you guys and us 
Just not panic when we're feeling all these high vibes. And then afterwards, we're going to get to some listener questions. Uh-hoo. Super excited about that. So let's welcome back to the show, Ambie Sitham. Welcome to the show, Ambie. Thank you, girl. I think we need just a, a current cosmic weather report as to what is going on right now because I believe we're in a multiple retrograde. Yes, Ugh, unfortunately we are. It's retro. Oh, <laughs> it's really actually quite stressful. I mean, look, you know, we already had Jupiter retrograde, um, Jupiter, the planet of expansion, goodwill, good fortune. We had in, in March, Saturn turn retrograde as well. Um, we then had Pluto and Mars turn retrograde a couple of weeks ago within one day of each other. So all the Scorpios out there and Aries are probably being massively affected by that. And then, of course, we've got good old Mercury turning retrograde in a couple of days, which makes a sum total of five planets in retrograde. In my head, the entire solar system is just like doing a backwards dance. <laughs> it's, it's working out its glutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can we give a, a brief fr- refresher on what a retrograde is? Yes. So a retrograde is when the planet essentially slows down. So it's as though, imagine, it, this, this is the easiest way to imagine it. It's, it's actually an illusion, okay? So imagine that you're on the what we call the motorway, you guys call the freeway, and you've got two cars traveling along, and one car starts to slow down. So it looks as though it's going backwards. It's going backwards, but it's not actually. It's just kind of slowing down, Mm. right? And so it's, it's a kind of an illusion... But the, essentially, that planet's energies, when it goes retrograde, go inwards. They do start to slow down. It does have an impact on us on the physical realm. So that's what a retrograde is. This happens several times a year. We can't avoid retrogrades, okay? I mean, it is so retrograde. It's just, what it is. <laughs> what a great saying. Hey, who came up with that? <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel like it are the most important things to stay mindful of during this period? Okay, so if you, I'm going to go through each planet very quickly. Jupiter. When Jupiter is retrograde, you know, you could feel the expansion, growth, you know, the you, things that you're wanting to do may feel stalled. And that's okay. But just remember that what, you, what Jupiter is asking you to do is to create that expansion within. Mm. So that at the end of the retrograde, you can experience it and manifest it on a physical level, on the physical plane. Saturn. And when does that one end? Oh, so that one ends actually quite soon. Jupiter goes direct on May the 9th, so okay. not, not too long, just after the new moon in Taurus, which is really powerful too. Um, so that's a, that's good old Jupiter. Saturn. Okay, so Saturn anyway is a kind of planet of restriction. It's just that he asks us to do everything properly by the books so that we can benefit from his energies. When Saturn is retrograde, it's a great time to look within and uh, about our responsibility, how responsible are we, and to review all our commitments on the physical plane. We can, when Saturn is retrograde, experience more delays and obstacles and find that everything requires more effort and more work. Progress can be delayed. Again, don't get frustrated, reevaluate your commitments and reevaluate your responsibility. You know, like how responsible are you? The more responsible you can be with Saturn, the more you can benefit from his good juju. Okay, and mm-hmm. when does that one come back to life? Uh, <laughs> August the 13th. Oh. Oh. But that's okay. Uh, yeah. Saturn likes to do his slow thing. But something about this that I like is that it it's offering a guided opportunity for all of us to look at the things that are holding us up or or that we find difficult and know that there is a reason why and understand how to transmute it. Exactly. The whole point of this is that, you know, these are 
themes of consciousness from the planets and they're themes of consciousness for us to work with. Yeah. So it's absolutely, it's like a cosmic guide to working on ourselves. Yeah. And that's the way we all want to look at this. Yeah. We don't want anyone to get stressed by the word retrograde. So in the same way that you shouldn't be afraid of yourself, you shouldn't be afraid of the retrogrades. Absolutely. That's deep stuff. I Thanks. like that a lot. Thanks. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what else? The next one. Pluto. Oh, the little baby. I'm glad you're still acknowledging Pluto as a planet. Uh, Pluto (laughs) is my lover. I I, love Pluto. I was really offended when pop culture said, fuck Pluto. And I said, fuck you guys. I think I agree. <laughs> pop culture. Yeah. Seriously, Pluto, no, I completely agree with you. And poor old Pluto, you know, he is, to me, he's a planet. In astrology, he's incredibly powerful and important, by the way. Now, Pluto is about control and power. And Pluto is also about the truth. And he's about destruction for rebirth and mm. rebuilding things, okay? So when Pluto goes retrograde, what we might find is that where we have held power or have not held power, we are suddenly, there's a, a, a change in the power balance, you know, in certain mm. situations with people in our lives, with our work, with our love lives, and with ourselves in a way. Mm. You know, when Pluto goes retrograde, it's a great time to search for your inner truth, your inner power, and to allow yourself to to see what it is that needs to be destroyed so that it can be rebuilt. You know, the Scorpio in me is like, yeah, destruction for rebirth. And I'm just like masturbating to the idea. Your your eyes have lit up. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) And so, and that's not the last one. No, there's two more. Oh, man. Oy vey. Oy vey, indeed. (laughs) I mean, Mars only goes retrograde once every two years. So this is actually quite unusual um, that, you know, we've got Mars going retrograde in a month that was his month, in a sense because he had a new moon in Aries, which was ruled by Mars, and we had a full moon in Scorpio, which is co-ruled by Mars. So when Mars goes retrograde, you know, things start to slow down. That energy, that drive, that ambition of Mars can start to go within. And, and, and what happens is people can get very frustrated. You know, it's like, it's like that repressed sort of energy and ambition goes within and people can get kind of explode. You have to be really careful of not getting super frustrated really careful and looking in your life at where are you trying to push for things and trying to make things happen. And if they're not happening, it's like Mars is, you know, the retrograde is saying, slow down, stop trying to push, create this, again, create this, put the drive and the energy within Mm -hmm. and it will manifest externally at the end of the retrograde period. Also, don't start a lawsuit or a fight during Mars retrograde because you'll probably lose. Sorry. Mm. Not hopefully no one is. And what are these dates? So Mars went retrograde on April 17th in Sagittarius. Mm. He then moves into Scorpio and he goes direct on June the 29th. But um, he's actually completely out of retro zone because, you know, there is this shadow period um, in August. But by the end of June, July, we're going to start feeling a bit more kind of momentum again. May I ask, what's the difference between him being retrograde in Sagittarius versus changing into Scorpio? What are the qualities of the difference? So it's it's really interesting because Sagittarius is all about, it's ruled by Jupiter, and it's all about expansion, good fortune, spirituality, etc., etc. Whereas Scorpio is ruled by Pluto and it's about, like, you know, the truth, rebirth, like, destruction, rebuilding, all of those things, like finding out secrets, this and the other. I think that... Mars and Scorpio, I mean, Mars and Scorpio is its its kind of position almost. So I think Mars and Scorpio is going to be a little bit more intense for people. Um, and he only goes retrograde, so he's only a little bit in Sagittarius. He's more in Scorpio. So I think that M- Mars and Scorpio, watch out for conflict. Avoid conflict, because Scorpio is a sign that can 
deal with conflict quite well. I'm looking mm. at a Scorpio and a Scorpio rising, <laughs> and I'm slightly scared. You quickly you mentioned the shadow. Yes, I know. This shadows. What is this shadow? Our shadows. It's Groundhog's Day, Elizabeth. <laughs> or a Peter Pan, whichever Aww. you choose. So when a planet goes retrograde, it goes retrograde at a certain degree in a certain sign, okay? Then when it goes direct, it goes direct at another degree of that sign or potentially of another sign. However, the degree that it goes retrograde at and the degree that it goes direct at are actually different degrees, right? So you imagine for it to get back to the degree that it went retrograde at, for example, eight degrees, it takes another few weeks after it's gone direct. Right. And that's the shadow. And the shadow is pre-retrograde and post-retrograde. It's normally like, for example, with Mercury, which goes only retrograde for three weeks, it's normally like a couple of weeks either side. Mm. that we're looking at. So if you look at the actual entire retrograde, what happens is, is when you consider the shadow period, you can see that stuff that perhaps started to go wrong at the beginning of the shadow period corrects itself, or there is a conclusion of that matter by the end of the shadow period. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. So and it's kind of like the transitional... Absolutely. From going from A to B, there's always just like some It's like the wave happens before the wave crashes, and then the wave crashes, yeah. and then it pulls back. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Hi. Um, but my, how do you know if you're, I remember in the reading that we did together, you said to me, you're rarely, you're very affected by the shadows. Mm-hmm. What are the indicators of, of whether or not you're affected by shadows? Like some people are and some people aren't. Is it a sensitivity thing? Is it a sign? Okay, I think this is a really good question because I think that one of the things that I'm noticing with people is this this sort of slight hysteria that happens when anything goes retrograde and then they they find out about the shadow period and they start sort of saying oh my god now it's in shadow oh things are starting to go wrong consciousness creates reality okay Mm. so if it's in your head that you know oh my gosh this planet's gone into shadow oh my gosh this planet's gone into retrograde you may actually create it's a mayhem uh, you create that vibrationally you're creating that mayhem mm-hmm. so yes some people are definitely more sensitive I mean I'm unfortunately very moon sensitive I'm, I'm very sensitive to the planets but again I just look at it and I look at it with the consciousness of okay this has happened okay you know I'm not going to blame it on this planet I'm not going to blame it on this thing what, what is there for me to learn from this experience mm-hmm. that's always the question what can I learn how can I be chill about this how can I not react and be proactive instead I love that I know that there are four Mercury retrogrades this year which is a lot. Interestingly, the, the, the year started with a Mercury retrograde in Capricorn and it ends with a Mercury retrograde in Sagittarius for oh. me, and Capricorn. Um, but this particular Mercury retrograde is not actually as violent as some of the other Mercury retrogrades because you've got it's Mercury retrograde in Taurus. You've got Venus in Taurus accompanying this Mercury retrograde. And Venus is good things. Venus is harmony. Venus is love. Venus is abundance. Venus is teaching us about what it is that we want and allowing us that receptivity to receive that. So actually, I think this is a really amazing Mercury retrograde for everyone to look at and think about what do they value about themselves Mm. and like improving and increasing your self-worth and thinking about what it is, your possessions, your income. Like, do you want to get paid for doing something that doesn't really align with your values and your self-esteem or do you want to do something that makes you know receive abundance and receive possessions for things that match vibrationally with who you really are your higher self and your values and things like that so I think this is a actually you know we've got Venus's protection and I love Venus so this is all good yeah it's gonna be good and I think it's just people 
can get scared, I think, when when they're asked to look at themselves. I think that can be the hard thing, and it's easier to blame, like, exterior forces than it is to, like, admit maybe that you're doing something that you don't want to do or that you're with someone that you don't want to be with. Like, that can be... Those can be really difficult conversations to have with yourself, and that's kind of why it's hard, I think, because Mercury's being like, well, guess what? We're not going to let you not have that conversation, so deal with it. Yes. No, it's true. And you know what? Victim consciousness. Like, you know, I've worked with people, and I, I can be quite strict sometimes, and I've worked with people where they blame, you know, I won't tell them anymore. I said, I'm not interested in talking to you about what planets are in retrograde, because they blame everything on the planets. And so I'm like, no, you know, we're not even going to talk about the planets. We're just going to do some serious, you know, coaching <laughs> and self-work, because I have to get yeah. strict. Because it's, you know, you don't want to be a victim. You want to be a victor of these circumstances. So it's yeah. important to remember that. Don't be a victim. Be a victor. Love it. Yay. Um, Wait, so what about Mercury? That's it. So that's a bit of Mercury. And also just to say as well how interesting. I love how the way the cosmos works. Honestly, I could get get really overexcited. So we have Mercury retrograde (laughs) in Taurus. So cute. I hope you do. You're an astrologer. (laughs) No, I know. No, I know. But I mean, I geek. I'm I'm just a major geek. But it's okay. Um, So Mercury retrograde in Taurus. And then we have a new moon in Taurus. And a powerful new moon in Taurus. This is a powerful new moon with a a beautiful aspect called a trine to Jupiter and Pluto that's allowing us to really expand. I know that we're talking about internal expansion, all the retrogrades, but trust me, you know, I was born with Jupiter retrograde in my birth chart. Internal expansion is what creates the external expansion and manifestation. Mm -hmm. So we've got that beautiful, soft, gentle new moon to look forward to. It's going to be a good time. It's just, you know... Just be a steady, everyone needs to be a steady eddies. And Elizabeth and I will both be getting our periods around that time. Oh, thank you for that information. <laughs> yes, thank you, Stephanie. New moon flow. Hey, I'm proud of my moon cycle sinking thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We're into that. Uh, Elizabeth and I wanted to ask a question regarding the upcoming new moon that you discussed in Taurus. Yes. And as aforementioned, uh, a new moon is a great time for manifestations, and a full moon is a great time for releasing. Yes. So we're coming up on this new moon on May 6th. Yeah. Could you give us some quick tips to manifest? Absolutely. So make a manifestation list. Um, make a list. You know, you can write very simply at the top of the list. Um, I accept all of the below or something even better for my highest good and the greater good of all concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, we got to put that little, you know. That was my rose last week. Yeah, she mentioned it. Oh. Because I loved the phrasing of that because I always felt like um, when I was writing down manifestations, like it just felt like not finite enough or not um, like the intention was there, but I needed like something to bookend it. So that really works for it me. It also makes it feel like a spell. <laughs> yeah. It is a spell. <laughs> Which I really like. I love spells. <laughs> my selenite wand like around oh, my Yeah, house. you've got to see my little manifestation ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm excited. So yeah, so everyone can just write that at the top of their list. And then I, I always say to list sort of 10 things. You know, you don't have to go crazy. If you want to go crazy, you can. But start simple. For people that are new that are doing this, just start really simply. And think about the different areas of your life, your personal life, your friendships, your work, your health, fun, you know, all those areas. But I think that also try and manifest with regards to the energies of that planet and that particular new moon. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, for example, with Taurus, everything I was talking about, especially because of the Mercury retrograde in Taurus, think about manifesting in the relation to your self-esteem, your Mm. values, your possessions, you know? Thinking about maybe reviewing in those areas or making sure that what's surrounding you possessions-wise actually matches who you are. Let's say the, uh, the new moon is in our sun sign. 
which is a kind of our guiding sign. Oh, yes. So if it's, it's a, what does it mean? Yeah. Is it more powerful? Yes. Okay. So if there is a new moon in your sun sign or in your rising sign, the ascendant, that's it's me. super <laughs> powerful. I think both of you are getting hit up. Yeah, it's my sun and it's your moon. Hi. No, it's my rising. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same. We're flip-flop no, sun, me. moon, different moon signs. What's your moon? Taurus. Yeah, I think you're Taurus. You're Taurus, Taurus, Taurus Scorpio? Yeah. What a bitch. Hi. <laughs> My moon's in Taurus, too. <laughs> um, so, you know, when it's when it's a, a, a new moon in your sun sign, the essence of who you are, or mm-hmm. your rising sign, your identity, your how the world perceives you, very, very powerful opportunity for you to set intentions about the essence of you and how the world sees you. Mm. You know, it's like almost a birthday new moon. Right, so you want to be not just setting intentions for the next month to come, but for six months' time when there's a corresponding full moon in your sign, mm. something to complete, to come to fruition by that time. I love that. All right, so now that we've gotten our personal questions answered, <laughs> thank oh, you so that much. That is just scratching the surface <laughs> of the questions that I would actually like to ask. I'll have you all know. I'm sacrificing myself for we... the good of the people. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to share the knowledge. I want to thank, first of all, everyone who wrote in. We had so many great emails. Our first question mm-hmm. comes from Eleanor. She says, so a year ago, I broke up with my boyfriend of eight years. Following the breakup, I focused my energy on self-love, building my career, and making peace with change. I also got really into astrology and learning more about zodiac characteristics and compatibility. What's that word? Characteristics. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, enunciation is not my forte. Um, Can Ambi explain why zodiac compatibility is a thing? Should I be paying attention to sun signs or Venus signs? Ooh, I love this question because I've always, I never not Googled someone before I've tried to fuck them. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Google their astrology and maybe their credits. (laughs) (laughs) All coming out now. Well, first of all, Eleanor, I want to say, you know, I'm sorry about your breakup and um, good for you because everything you're doing, working on yourself, self-love, focusing on you, amazing. Astrology is spirituality, essentially, so um, also amazing. Gold star for you. Um, Sun sign. Sun sign is the essence. Okay, so, you know, with astrology, it's a mistake to only look at the sun sign Mm. Um, because the sun sign is just, it's like the headline news, you know, almost. It just gives you a few tips on what's going on. Really, you need to know and be looking at and considering so much more than that. Now, look, if this was somebody that you were going to have a serious relationship with and people do come to me for these types of charts... I would recommend a synastry chart. And a synastry chart is essentially, it's quite complicated sort of astrology because it's essentially comparing, it's the art of relationship astrology, we call Ooh. it. And it's comparing two people's charts and studying them and seeing how those charts interact and ping, you know, so what the flavors of the relationship are essentially. So that's, I mean, but, you know, you don't want to be doing that with just some rando that you're going on a date with. Yeah. I don't think You that. can't be like, hey, by the way, it's our first date. What time were you born? <laughs> Actually, I have done that. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not allowed to go out with them. <laughs> no, um, I'm just joking. Um, um, anyway, um, so you want to be looking at Venus, where their Venus is. Yeah, there's a sun sign, the essence of who they are. There's their rising sign, you know, the mask with which they operate in the world, a filter mm. through which they, you know, interact with the world and their identity, essentially. Um, their Venus sign, Venus is the goddess of love and rules romantic love. So it plays an important role in sort of our pleasurable attachments in a general sense. So it's like pleasure, love, you know, abundance, all those kind of things. So Venus is all about romance and heart and, and heart attraction rather than Mars energy, which I'll go on to. 
So look at their Venus sign and you can work out, you know, what's your Venus sign? What's your, their Venus sign? That will tell you a lot about romantic love and their view to romantic love. Um, then there's Mars. Mars is all about sexual expression and desire. Mars is kind of like your mojo, mm. you know, it's physical attraction. Um, and Mars will also tell you not only a little bit about your sex styles, to be blunt, but also like about... Like what positions you like? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I mean... Anyway, but it also say it talks about how the person handles conflict. And I think that's quite important to understand in a relationship. You know, it's like how you guys handle conflict as individuals will, because of, you know, your, your, your birth charts, will explain how you handle conflict in a, within a relationship. Right. So that's pretty important too. Um, you know, the moon signs are important because a moon sign shows what the person, each person needs in order to feel secure, to feel safe, to feel, to feel good. You know, what their kind of emotional needs are. So the moon signs are really important. And so those are the kind of main signs that you want to be looking at. And oh, I'm trying to give an example of something. Okay, so for example, if one person has Venus in Pisces and one person has Venus in Capricorn, those people's approach to romantic love is going to be very, very different, right? Mm. Venus in Pisces is going to be super romantic and super idealistic and, you know, just a bit floaty and a bit like... I don't know, they can almost sacrifice themselves in the name of love. Um, very romantic, beautiful, amazing energies, but just very different from Venus and Capricorn. Venus and Capricorn is, who are you? And I'm romantic about you to the degree that I understand what our relationship is and I know where our relationship is going. It's a lot more practical. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, two other things to look at is the fifth house and the seventh house. The fifth house in astrology has 12 houses in the astrological wheel. Each house represents a different life area. And the fifth house represents romance, fun, pleasure, creativity, self-expression. Um, and it's more about sort of romances rather than unions. The seventh house is about union, marriage, etc., etc. So you want to look at what house what signs sorry are on the cusps of those houses because that will give you an idea of that person's approach to love and to romance and to union Does so that- it makes complete sense and i'm just wondering i feel like there's a lot of amateur astrological yes dabblers out there you know like i was just on set last week and there was a bunch of people like i'm into astrology and it was after i'd seen you and they were trying to like diagnose everyone and i was just like but it worries me that people are using this as like a way to be like, you shouldn't be with that one. You shouldn't be with this one. You shouldn't be like, I'm asking my question is regardless of where the things are in your houses, is there a way to have a match if you understand the communication styles? Absolutely. And I think that's a really, really pertinent point because, you know, you can have perfect charts, charts that match up and then life happens and it just doesn't work out in the end. And at the end of the day, our polarities, our differences, and even when, you know, you put someone's charts together in in the sinistry chart and you look and there's oppositions or squares, which are technically like difficult aspects, that does not mean that the relationship won't work. It just means that the people have to elevate and transform in order for the relationship to proceed and, 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 and to be solidified. So I think it's, you know, all these amateur astrologers out there, like, you know, I was an amateur astrologer once, you know, and I still consider myself an, an eternal student. So I don't mean that in a sort of, you know, being all sort of, I don't know what the word is, but you know what I mean. I'm yeah. not trying to put people down. But I do think that we have to be really, really conscious of what we say yeah. and what we think and what we tell friends of ours. And, you know, it's the same way that if someone comes to me, I, I, there's no good chart, there's no bad chart. There's blessings and burdens in every chart. There's blessings and burdens from every new moon, every full moon, you know. It's all consciousness fundamentally, certainly what I practice. 
so to find our charts, there's like fun little algorithms online yeah. that, that you've There's recommend. loads of free, you know, you can do, I think there's Cafe Astrology, there's AstroDience, um, there's loads of free online things that you can just go to, put in your birth details and find it out. But again, you know, have the right consciousness when you're doing mm-hmm. this. Don't get obsessive. And especially if it's like a first date with someone, I think that's slightly... Slightly, yeah. you know, just like when you're dating them. Go you in blind with it and maybe don't check it until after you sleep with them. Yeah, but I think <laughs> it can be a fun way to be like, oh, you're reacting to this thing and like I'm reacting this way and like, oh, maybe it's because you sway this direction and how can I change my communication style or my understanding in order to meet you in the middle. Did Absolutely. you ever read the book Sextrology? No. Oh, my gosh. You we need to get it for her. Yeah, you can put in anybody's... It, it goes does like a full write up on each person's birthday, Ooh. and it's crazy accurate. Highly recommend. Love TSR it. required reading. Over I here. love it. Sextrology. Okay, <laughs> so along with the birthday book, our next next question comes from a lovely listener. Her name is Hillary. Hillary Brown. We're not Hi, saying last names. Oh, but she signed her last name. Yeah, right. but we're not going to say last names. Fine, Hillary B. <laughs> okay, our next question comes. From Hillary B. And she says, I was born in the wee hours of December 7th, 1977. I am a Sagittarius with both a Libra moon and Libra rising. So my question is, am I more Libra than Sagittarius? I might be because balance is my jam. Love that. But I have lots of Sag qualities as well. Am I a trans sign? First of all, hello, Hillary. <laughs> fellow Sagittarian. Um, I already like you, Hillary. Um, but, you know, Hillary, 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 Hillary. I like this. So, so this is a really, really good question because, again, it goes back to what I was talking about before about these sun signs really only being the headlines of our lives. And actually our rising sign and our moon sign, it's so important to look at the, you know, to look at least at least to look at those if not all the other planets that are in someone's chart and how they're aspected but here here's the thing you, she's a sag sun hillary so i'm a sag sun as well when people meet me they meet the virgo rising okay but only when you really get to know me do you see the sag sun and it's and with hillary because she's a libra rising and a libra moon she is Going to people are probably going to meet the Libra in her and see the Libra in her more than the Sagittarian until they get to know her a bit better. And this is the thing here's what the sun sign is about your sun sign is your conscious mind, it's your basic nature, it's your personality traits that remain kind of consistent in your throughout your life. Um, and it describes the way that you are vital almost and powerful in life. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it shows how your will operates, you know. So I have a very and so does Hillary. We have very saggy kind of qualities, okay? So that's kind of excitable, very cheerful, optimistic, probably, you know, quite blind faith about lots of things. But then, so it, it, you know, in some ways, it's like the psychological basis upon which your actions are, the psychological basis for your actions, right, is, is your sun sign. Um, but your rising sign is the sign is the filter through which you interact with the world. It's how when people meet you, which is why, for example, when someone, you know, people meet me for the first time, they often, she's not like really warm and friendly and bubbly. And it's because they're meeting the Virgo. They're not meeting the Sagittarian because your rising sign is the mask through which you interact with the world. Mm. It's a mask, it's a filter that you, that the world sees you through and that you see the world through, right? Until you feel safe and comfortable and then you're more of your, your sort of sun sign. So your rising sign is super important. Um, and 
you know, it, it explains why people probably see her perhaps as a Libra, and she might think of herself more as a Libra. Then your moon sign is all about your emotional nature. It tells you about the person's emotional instincts and habits. So, you know, with a Libra moon and a Libra rising, she's going to be very Libran, but then it depends if she has. And looking at that 1977, I think there were quite a few planets in Sagittarius at that time. So it's likely that she also does have a lot of Sag in her chart too. So she's going to be, a, she is a bit of a trans sign, which is good. We embrace trans signs. <laughs> yeah, like how can she... Harness. Harness, yeah, exactly. Thank you. No problem. Those energies or, or the confusion that lies within what she views as a conflict. You know, again, I'm going to be really boring. That whole consciousness creates reality thing. Don't view it as a conflict. View it as a fusion of energies. Cool. View it as being, like, amazing. I'm a Sagittarian sun and I'm a Libra rising and a Libra moon. What are the positive light-filled aspects of each of those signs? Let me embody more of those and let me be aware of some of the shadow aspects and try and embrace more of the lighter aspects and the kind of, you know, divine aspects of each of those signs rather than uh, and, and, and release the shadow aspects. So what's a good resource for doing a deep dive into the light aspects versus the shadow aspects of each sign? Alchemywithambi.com. Is <laughs> <laughs> nice. that just a blatant plug? Well, shameless. No, I, 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 know, I like shameless. it. Shameless. We I, love a blatant plug. And yeah. I'm, being, I'm being, that's not very Virgo rising, that's a Sagittarian, so I'm getting comfortable. Um, no, but I am. No, but know, that's I'm, perfect. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm writing this whole thing called Soul Astrology, and it's. To, I'm trying to educate, help. my whole thing is to help people to help themselves. Yeah. So, you know, I'm trying to write content on the site so that people can access it for free and can learn about their sign more and to learn how to manifest every month. And if you look on the Soul Astrology tab, and the reason why, you know, you can read about that. Um, okay, yeah. so that's alchemywithambi.com. The tab is called Soul Astrology. Yeah, which I made up that name because I like it. It's really cute. Yes. Wonderful. So our next question says, uh, this comes from Nina. She says, I've been told that I've been born with Venus retrograded in my chart. We don't really hear much about how Venus being in retrograde affects us and how it affects our birth charts. And I'm super curious about what Ambie has to say about Venus retrogrades. And it seems on brand and in theme. Very on brand, very in theme. Thank you, Nina. Nina, you're the best. Nina, you are the best. I think this is the same Nina that might have won one of the I Smell Great giveaways, which if that's the case, shout out to Nina. Nina is hashtag blessed. (laughs) by that's a retrograde (laughs) so you know venus retrograde in the natal chart i mean this is all about self-love and this is about healing and that is the key to working with venus retrograde in the natal chart i'm not going to pussyfoot around as we say in england you know venus retrograde in the natal chart can be at times challenging it can lead to you know Everyone's natal chart has aspects in it which leads to that person, which allows for that person's soul growth in this lifetime. When you have Venus retrograde in your natal chart, it is quite likely that you may have issues around abundance, around self-worth, and therefore around love. Mm. And actually, fundamentally, all of those lie with self-worth because self-worth and self-love is the basis of receiving abundance. It is the basis of receiving love and having loving relationships. This is a tough aspect to have, but that does not mean that this is not something that you can work with really well and overcome. Um, You know, when somebody has this aspect in their life, they need to look at where they are self-sabotaging in love relationships Mm. and where they are sometimes that even though they're actually feeling so much, 
that actually being sort of defensive and putting down barriers or attracting relationships with people who are only going to confirm what they're thinking about themselves perhaps on a on a deeper level mm. you know and again I don't know Nina's chart exactly so it may be that she's got other aspects in her chart which mean that this isn't this Venus position isn't as afflicted as I'm making out but just for those readers out there who may have Venus retrograde you know listeners out there who have Venus retrograde really afflicted or for anyone who might have those issues and don't know why perhaps yeah absolutely because sometimes people you know sometimes people have they they seem to struggle with with love and or with abundance and they wonder why and then when I look at their chart I'm like oh my gosh this is why and then as soon as they're aware of it they can be like you know not not sort of like blaming it on their chart but they can sort of say to themselves okay this is what I was born with this is what something that was obviously meant to be one of my big life lessons how can I work with this mm. with Venus retrograde you need to avoid looking outside of yourself for happiness you need to find that love, that happiness, create response, you know, be responsible for your own happiness within, be responsible for your own abundance, you know, be responsible for feeling love, which ultimately we can feel, we, we can be completely single and we can feel love because we've got that love within. Mm -hmm. We create that love around us and then that in turn brings the right kind of love our way. But with Venus retrograde, you, people are probably more likely to be challenged by the relationships in their life. Mm. And also, like I said, about finances, about abundance. Also, with Venus retrograde, sometimes self-image can be an issue. So the person either can overcompensate and indulge in loads of material things or try and do themselves up in a way to make themselves feel better or the person has low self-esteem and can be like I'm not going to prettify myself I'm not going to make myself look nice because I just don't feel I'm nice looking and, you know it's, it's a complicated position okay so let's try to give Nina a takeaway perhaps or across the board for people with Venus and retrograde what's something that they can use to support this position again self-love um, you know loving yourself first accepting yourself feeling your worth, really valuing yourself, and that in turn will lead you to the abundance, to the harmony, and to the love that you want to receive. Okay, so say she's sitting in a meditation. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, you see, if she's sitting in a meditation, or say she's wanting to just chant something, you know, in her own head, whatever, yeah. or do affirmations, I love myself. I love myself, and others love me the way that I love myself. Perfect. Ooh, I think maybe we can all try that, regardless <clears throat> of where our charts are aligned Yes. Agreed. Absolutely. You can't have too much self-love, ladies. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, kids. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we love that so much. Oh, my goodness. What a gift from the cosmic gods this is. Can I piggyback on, what, on the, on the uh, mantra thing that we just mm -hmm. mentioned? So with everything in retrograde, with all the things that we've discussed, I would love it if you could give us and our listeners some sort of affirmation or mantra or something to stay grounded and connected and allow for the energies to move through us without the panic because sometimes amidst the retrograde and amidst the daily grind even without the retrogrades it's easy to become overwhelmed and emotional and frustrated absolutely, and absolutely. so I think um, sort of a mantra to just keep in mind all the time over the next couple of months is my consciousness creates my reality I love that and another one the universe has my back and to trust that in the bigger scheme of things, there is a divine happy ending for you with all of these retrogrades. I love that. Mm, the universe has my back. That's great. Yeah. That's enough, I Beautiful. think. Beautiful. Thank you so much. My Humby. pleasure. Hold on to your hats, kids. 
We're all gonna be okay. We're all gonna be okay. This is everyone's gonna be fine. Completely and utterly fine. <laughs> Better than fine. I'm sure everyone's going to be wanting to go to your website and hit up that soul astrology. Where can they find you? So alchemywithambi.com. Um, I post on there and I'm going to be posting a ton of content over the next month because I'm doing lots of writing, which I'm really in the retrograde. Um, and also I do little posts, you know, sort of astrology, consciousness, spirituality on Instagram at Ambi Sitham. And also your Facebook page. Oh, yes. And I have a face. Sorry, I'm not very good with social media. <laughs> and Alchemy with Ambi on Facebook. So. And I have to say that you had a former career as a lawyer. And yes. I find that you're, in your writing, the way you explain all of these cosmic happenings is a very well-delivered, well-worded way for us to all wrap our heads around it. So I was Grounded gonna... and relatable. Exactly. So I'm simple. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sim- I find it simple is is the way forward. Yes. You know. So, Definitely. Because yeah. sometimes I read like other astro, astro websites that I really like and I love dig them. on. But when I go to send them to other friends who maybe aren't necessarily that into astrology, they get bogged down by all of the astro-languaging. There's also, you know, I think there's some incredible colleagues of mine out there with some amazing sites and amazing content, but it's sometimes it's a bit more flowery, the wording, and it's it's just, you know, and that's what they do beautifully well, and I couldn't do that. You know, everyone's got their unique role in life, and mine is to make it simple and to be able to work with it on a really, really, really simple level, basically because I'm a simpleton. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and I guess so are we because we yeah. really love it. So thank you so much and we'll check you out at alchemywithambi.com and we will uh, look forward soon. to seeing you soon. Happy retrogrades. Yay. Oh. Plural. <laughs> yes, that's a retrograde. It's time for Roses and Thorns. I think we're getting better. That's all I'm saying. Okay, Roses and Thorns is the time in the show where we go through the highs and the lows of the week. Stephanie, what do you have? Let's start it off with you. Well, my thorn is that we don't have a recording contract for our Roses and Thorns theme song. There's that. Okay. Collective Rose? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Disneyland? Disneyland. Okay. So uh, Elizabeth and I and our two boyfriends. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Hale. Um, Hi, Joey. (laughs) And now we're going to get a bunch of people like, Steph got a boyfriend? No, he's just my best friend for life. But you guys can check him out on the very retrograde-friendly show, The Magicians on Sci-Fi. He plays Elliot, the hottest hot hot. So it's it's like Harry Potter for older people. Definitely. It's very sexy and cool. So check it out. So uh, we all four went to Disneyland, and what a magical and interesting experience it truly was. We kicked off the adventure with an in-and-out brunch. Yep. So good. Wasn't mad at it. And then we hit Anaheim. And so hard. What were your favorite? Okay, so for me, first of all, I think you said it best where you were like, I need to rediscover my childlike wonder. And I loved that. And I actually had a moment. So we went on Space Mountain, which is now like Star Wars Space Mountain. Right. And I had a crazy flashback of being on Space Mountain as a child. It's stopping and breaking down and then turning the lights on. And I think I was like eight and I saw. Buzzkill. Dude. <laughs> not even for that moment, but like life buzzkill <laughs> of like the veil being lifted. Like I saw how shitty and rickety it was. We were just like in this like basically a box with a small roller coaster in it. And I had a broken heart where I lost all sense of magic at a very young age. And I found myself as an adult discovering that excitement and allowing myself to be excited about something, even though I knew that it wasn't 
anything like real or scary and that was like a really important moment for the me. The whole day was a total rose. It was so fun. I never went to anything Disney growing up so this was a big occasion for me. Um, but I will say pro tip rose would be if you're with your friends and you don't have to like be watching over a small child, which was our situation, unlike most of the people that were there, go in the single rider line. And then the, instead of like a 55 minute line, it was like 15 minutes yeah. because we all waited together, but then went on the ride separately right after one another. So it totally worked out for our vibe and yeah. it was awesome. And I hadn't read that tip on any of the Disneyland blogs that I looked at. There's Disneyland blogs? Oh yeah. I looked at like, Disneyland tip blogs for days as going into this adventure. I also want to it thank your parents, Nancy and Brian Cott, for sponsoring our hat game. Yeah, that was really nice. We all got hats and they were amazing. But Disneyland at 31, I can't imagine it being any better. Just, you know, eat some edibles and get your life together, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Another rose is uh, we hooked up with Leaf TV with Jerry Hirsch. We had her on our Heart to Heart episode a few months back. We love her. She's such an inspiration. Um she has an awesome online source for videos that are all actually shifting into the wellness space. And they invited us to provide our tips for a midday pick-me-up. How to beat that afternoon slump. Because who doesn't have the slump? So that was really fun. We did these videos. We post them on the website. You guys can check them out. And I also want to shout out Olive and June for hooking us up with Manny's for that. Olive and June is this awesome... Uh, manicure location there's three locations here in LA it's a salon a manicure salon a nail salon yeah, yeah that's it you guys might have heard of um, them they are very uh focused on using non-toxic products and we love that especially when it comes to manicures because that should be scary you guys um and I hope to have the founder on soon to yeah. uh talk a breakdown like the do's and don'ts of a healthy Focused manicure. A lot of people complimented me on the eye that I had painted on my finger. So it was thank you guys. Way cute. Um, and so for thorns, other than all the kids at Disneyland, um, <laughs> I will say that uh, speaking of childlike behavior, I'm really, really, really scared by of Beyonce's fans that apparently are called the Beehive. The, I had no idea. Yeah, the Bayhive. I guess. Which one is it? Um, Depends what region of the country you live in. Tell me why you're afraid of them. I just feel – and I, I, we don't need to rehash the whole thing because I think on every website – You mean the internet breaking down because of Lemonade? Yeah, and like them going after Rachel Roy and then Rachel Ray, which is a side rose because that's hilarious. But, um, you know, they're just saying like really hateful things. I wish Rachel Ray fucked Jay-Z. <laughs> me too. Um, left him with a dope recipe. E-V-O-O, you know? <laughs> um, I just feel like – that's not the message it's to like go after people and threaten them. And it just feels like very Mars retrograde and I don't like it. Well, it's interesting that people are going after these women when Beyonce made a conscious effort to just make it about the art and the expression and she didn't. I mean, the one song is kind of aggressive, but the rest of it is, like, really beautiful and about healing and letting go and processing and transmuting the whole thing. Yeah, I just feel like if you're a Beyonce fan, you're, like, missing the message if you're then using, like, hateful online bullying. Because yeah, I think this isn't I about, like, slut-shaming over the here. The overall meth message is empowerment, and there's not really room to empower yourself or anyone else when you're using, like, hateful put downs on people especially children completely really agree. gross really big thorn but I do enjoy that like 
the emoji for lemonade and B just means Beyonce now. Ha. That's really great. Uh, I'm a, I mean, but I will say just major roses, that whole thing was the most visually stunning thing I've ever seen and such an emotional journey. And we're, I don't really care what it's about. Like, I, it, it's about whatever you interpret it to be about for you personally. To get distracted by whether or not Jay-Z fucked someone else, I don't think is really the point of it. And if you focus on that, you're kind of missing the beauty of what she's talking about. Yeah, so four for you, Beyonce. You go, Beyonce. Yeah, you go. She needs us. <laughs> hey, Beyonce, we think you're going to be somebody one day. Yeah. Um. So, wow, what a great show. We really did it, huh, guys? Yeah, we had it. We did it. Ambi, you're a fucking goddess. I totally sort of kind of understand my chart now. Um, <laughs> Same. So things are great. Uh, we can't wait to... Uh, have another show next week. Yeah. Hashtag blessed. Hey, guys. Do us a favor. Oh, also, really quickly, happy birthday to my dad and my boyfriend because they both had birthdays right after mine. So birthdays are fun. And all Tauruses. And also Emily Todebush, our political correspondent. And all our listeners who are Tauruses. <laughs> Yay. And as usual, you know where to find us, you guys, on the internet, at Sir Retrograde on Instagram and Twitter, www.thatsoretrograde.com. Hey, do us a favor, guys. Leave, Leave us, us a, a review. review. <laughs> I was like, where is she going with this? Uh, as always, if you feel you have time, please write us a review. Let us know your thoughts and feelings and concerns. Try to keep it positive. But if you're really having an issue, let us know about that, too. We want to help you, and we want to help everyone. Yeah. So, as usual, guys, do us a favor. And namaste listening. Thank you. Yes, that's a retrograde.